This is the Equip Podcast hosted at Rocky Creek in Greenville, South Carolina. This weekly course seeks to equip our church for the work of ministry. Hope it will help you as well. Uh, we're talking about protecting from pornography. Uh, to fight against lust, we must have a plan to protect ourselves from pornography using scriptural insight, practical wisdom. You can find hope with this struggle. Uh, from Jesus' words in Matthew 5, 28 that we looked at either this morning or this evening, it says, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. As we went through this passage throughout the day today, it's always interesting those people who um, they don't have a good poker face, what I would call, that even when you say something in a sermon, it's like, I'm like, I think I just made you upset. Or either ruin your uh, media activity or whatever it is, right? I got some facial reactions today. So we were, they, were, they were there. And um, so that, that's, that's a good thing, right? So, um, but I want to give you just kind of the current reality to think through a couple of things here as we go through it and walk through just kind of the state of where things are. And these uh, stats are pretty um, alarming. I mean, and just understanding, first off, pornography is what's called sexually explicit material that dehumanizes, objectifies, and degrades people for the purpose of sexual arousal. If that was a, a term, if a definition, that's where we would start from. It's sexually explicit material that dehumanizes, right? Takes away the value, the worth of a human, a person, and puts it down to this object level, objectifies and degrades people. Uh, for the purpose of sexual arousal. So once again, something that is supposed to be reserved for marriage and to be able to be something that unites, actually degrades and uh, dehumanizes there. Um, This one is kind of shocking to think through, but in the United States, 25,258 users are viewing internet pornography every, anybody want to guess? Second. Every second. 25,000 users, and that was 2018, so I don't think the number probably went down, okay? So um, every second, there's 25,000 American citizens that are viewing internet pornography uh, in some type of way, whether it's in a lot lot of different venues that you can go through that, but specifically as it relates to internet stuff. Here is the next thing. There are 4.2 million pornographic websites, which equals 12% of total websites. 12% of the internet is related to sexually uh, suggestive material there. Did I miss something for you? I'm sorry, I'm going, I'm going too fast. Oh, you're, oh, got you. You're still just trying to think through that. Yeah, you, you still got some more to go through. I'm, tr- I'm tracking with you. I thought you were saying you missed something. Uh, fill in the blank. Okay, so, um, you know, so good. But, but think about it, 4.2 sites. Obviously, I haven't been to all of them either, right? But 12% of what's there. Uh, I also read another stat. stat. Right. That's worldwide number because that, that you know if you think through it, um, there are what also saw that back in 2018 the stats were 100,000 of those sites are related to child pornography, 100,000. Okay, um, one in five mobile searches is for pornography. So every one out of five, 20 percent of what people search for on their mobile phone is related to pornography, uh, which is a pretty significant number. Um, these stats come from a group called Covenant Eyes. Um, Covenant Eyes uh, released a lot of these stats, and they've done some different research through the years to kind of keep it updated, and you can go and view a lot of their helpful material. Um, 27% of teens receive what's called sext, which are text messages with sexual and nature. And so for a child or a teenager who has a telephone, once again, may not be looking for something. It could be just any type of material that can be someone they know or it can be something else. I think some of you have read the news or heard the different stories of some 
uh, young women and young men who have actually taken their life because something they shared with somebody got shared with other people and that type of thing. This is a serious issue and it relates to, honestly, what phone usage is there, uh, the, the danger of it. Um, the, the ability to be able to invade, you talk about a phone that's meant to like keep you safe or make sure you know how to get home or something like this. But when you have a number like this in this world, um, an interesting thing that um, Amanda and I were talking about a few months ago, but when I was 15, what I could not wait to do was get my driver's permit. When I was 16, I could not wait to get my license because that meant freedom and to go and hang out with my friends. There is a growing trend now for teenagers not to want their license. They're not going for it. They're waiting, prolonging later and later to get a driver's license, which made no sense to me, except for the study goes, they would rather engage here on their phone and have someone drive them around. They're always connected with their friends, pseudo connected anyway, so they don't want to go and visit them anymore. So they stay on the device and continue to connect to the device, and they're always constantly messaging each other through the day, through the night, at school, at home, you name it. And so they're not actually having physical interaction with friends, but it's all through these digital things. 57% of teens search out porn at least monthly is what the statistic is. If you think through that 57% of teenagers are seeking out this type of material at least once a month. Um, if you think about the next line, the first exposure to pornography among men, or this state would be boys, what would it be? It is actually 12 years old on the average. So that's not the earliest age, by the way, that's average, which means what? There are some that are much, much younger. So I would say 6 to 18 is what you're really looking at there, right, As of what that exposure has been. And 71% of teens hide online behavior from their parents. Um, so there's actually, um, I, I shared a list of um, different, I guess, codes that teenagers use to inform each other with some parents years ago and some minds were blowing. But there, there are certain things that are um, like, uh, you might just see like, what was it? I remember one saying um, um, PBB would be something that a, somebody would text somebody and if a parent looks at it, they go, I don't, I don't know what that means. And it stood for parents behind back. Be careful what you send me right now. My parents behind my back, they see me. So just a simple signal. That's kind of the usage. There are apps on phone that look like a game, but when you open it up, it's not a game. So a parent goes, oh, this is fine. It's a cute little game. It's blah, blah, blah. And you go into it, and it's not a game. It's something very, very different. So, so the reason why this is obviously so important is that this is a uh, major uh, the, the economy of, I forgot how many billions of dollars that the pornography industry produces every year. And uh, the unbelievable kind of, well, as it swells the internet and so many other things, as well as um, some of y'all probably saw it, and I don't know if any of y'all having these TV subscription services or whatnot, but how Netflix got hot water a few months ago because of a program that had to do with young girls as cheerleaders. Yeah, that was just very seductive in nature and sexual in nature, and people were like, what's the problem? And, uh, and it's just, so it's, it's coming in every way, and we are desensitized. We, we've forgotten how to blush. We are completely all messed up here, and so... There was a lot of people who, yeah, got away from it, and you know. Well, and a lot of people did, and I think there was, I don't know if it was enough to get it taken off or whatnot, but there was enough people who made a, a big stir about it. But this is the kind of deal, right, like, because I even was thinking about through today, I mean, uh, as we were mentioning, that sometimes um, my kids know this, that it's very annoying when you're watching the Clemson game, even though we really wanted to watch something else the other night. When you're watching the game, um, 
that every time we're watching to try to like go up to the menu so you don't have to view the commercials because you don't know what's about to come out. And now we've got this thing, you can still see through it if you want to, but you just don't know what's next. And I mean, goodness gracious, some of y'all remember years ago what the Hardee's commercials were like. I mean, just unbelievable, just ridiculous kind of nature of it. Or uh, if they're advertising a show or a movie, they're going to advertise you just enough to hook you in. And so it's coming from everywhere. The insights that we get from Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 24, I think are very helpful. I want to read those, uh, just read those verses and, and kind of unpack some things. In Galatians chapter 5, uh, as Paul is talking about how Christ has set us free from sin and idolatry, uh, he gives us some great insights, and let's look at someone together. Verse 16, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And I love the fact that when he says that, he says, walk by the Spirit. He doesn't say, accept the Spirit one time, right? Or just do it. It's a walk. It's a continual progression. And so if we think about it, surrendering to the Spirit is a daily activity and not a singular decision, Right? So surrendering to the Spirit, it's this walk. You are, you are learning how to a daily activity. I'm walking with the Spirit. Uh, it's not just something like I, I, I talk with Him on Sunday morning or I ask Him into my heart one time in my life. No, no, no. I'm, surrendering to the Spirit is a daily activity. I'm walking with Him. I'm, I'm moving with Him. And it's not a singular decision. So Paul says it this way. If you want to stop gratifying the desires of the flesh, this is how you do it. Walk by the Spirit. Okay? Well, Paul, what exactly does that mean? Like, how do you, how do you, how's that flesh out? Verse 17 says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. Listen to this. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. Spirit and the flesh are at war with one another. Spirit is trying to stop what the flesh wants, and guess what? Flesh, the flesh is trying to war against the spirit to go against what the spirit wants. The spirit and the flesh oppose each other and attempt to frustrate the other's plans. So the spirit comes along so that we would not gratify every sinful desire of the flesh. And what the flesh is trying to do is to weaken our spirit so that we don't pursue spiritual and holy things. Um, one of the... Um, the, the, I remember a line that Rick Warren was interviewed years ago on some national um, news show, and he got into a lot of hot water on it, but he just, they were talking about people need to you know, follow their heart or whatever their desires are. If they have a desire for this, they should follow it. And he looked at the reporter and said, if I followed every desire that's in my heart, <laughs> you know, I'd be on death row for the crimes that I've committed. Like, just because I, I have a desire for it does not mean that it's a good thing. And so the spirit and the flesh, these two things, they are opposing each other and they attempt to frustrate the other's plans. If you look, it goes on down to verse 18. He says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Okay, you're not under the law. So, and what does that mean? Oh, I'm free to do whatever I want. No, he's going to guide you into the ways of keeping that. Um, just even think about it this way. Um, Pentecost, as we celebrate the... Holy Spirit coming and dwelling the disciples, right? Well, people go, what's the holiday about Pentecost about? They go, oh, about the indwelling of the Spirit. They were celebrating Pentecost on the day the Spirit came down. Pentecost was already another holiday. You know what it was? When they celebrated the giving of the Ten Commandments to Moses. That's what the holiday, that's why everybody was there in Jerusalem that day. This was a holiday they said God's Word came to us one day on these tablets, and we celebrate that. And on that day, the Spirit came down and said, now I'm going to teach you how to apply it. So we're not under the law. Verse 19 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, right? 
uh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Um, I, I love the thought of this because if you look at verse 19... How does it describe what we do in the flesh? It says, now the works of the flesh. But if you go down to verse 22, what does it say? It doesn't say the work of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit, which is a great way to understand it. The flesh does works while the Spirit provides fruit. Okay? So the flesh does works. And unfortunately, a lot of times when our flesh is involved, it's not good work. (laughs) It is sinful work. It's unholy work, right? So the works... Uh, of flesh, that, that's what happens. The flesh does these works while the Spirit provides fruit. So we're doing certain things, but when good things come, it's not because we're doing them, but what happens? It's God doing it through us, right? So as I'm walking with the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is this, that this is accomplishing in me. Uh, one of the things that I, I mentioned one time to some parents were, you know, you can give like the fruit of the Spirit as a God for your kids, like, okay, today we want to focus on love, and today we want to try to be joyful, and today we want to be peaceful, but we can't do that on our own. The Spirit has to indwell us to, to allow us to do this, and so the, the two things are very opposite of each other, right? But it's very interesting that Paul's warning against sexual immorality in verse 19 uses the word porneia, and that's what it looks like in the Greek for all of you so you can impress all your friends, right, okay? But the word is porneia, is what sexual immorality means, which is, guess what we get from that? <laughs> Pornography, right? Yeah. G- Not on that. I was in a minute or a second. Yep. If I want to ask you a question about this. When you said this morning in the sermon, mm-hmm. that, you know, the whole pornography, it can, this can cause some terrible thing to happen 10 years down the road. Everything yep. falls apart. Yeah. Looking at it, I immediately thought, but looking at these verses, it's like it's it's like poison now. Right, for sure. I mean, yeah. it's just you can't if you really, especially for you know a Christian who's really trying to serve God yeah. and, and live, and then he he get sidetracked into this you know looking at this stuff, and then you you know go even longer. It's like this is like poison. It's yeah. like. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. You can't just count and say, "Well, I'm not going to do something ten years down the road." Right. I can. I can keep from running around in my For life. For sure. Maybe I can. Yeah. But it's like it's poison now. Absolutely. So it's kind of that idea, right? That like the more that we expose ourselves to this stuff, what happens is is that we get desensitized. And adultery doesn't seem that bad. Where it would seem really bad here, but the more we desensitize ourselves to pornography, absolutely. 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 It's poison to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We believe, can the Holy Spirit be working us if we've been looking at that and then we say, we shut it down and then we go walking out? Okay, we're good now. Right. And it can't be that way. I, I don't remember what service it was. Half the illustrations I use, I don't have on my paper. They just kind of come in the moment. So I don't know which one to set this in. But one of the services today, I said, it's kind of like if carbon monoxide was going through your house, you wouldn't say, I'll call somebody tomorrow. <laughs> You're going, it's going to kill everybody in the house. Like now, like I got to address it, right? So I would totally agree that there is something that happens inside of us. What most people go, well, nobody knows about it. It's not going to really affect anything. I'm okay. But to say, this thing is poisoning you and it'll either take you out now or it's going to affect everybody in your life along the way. What's it doing? 
Ja, ja. 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 I think you're exactly right because of Paul's word saying you can't walk by the Spirit if you're gratifying the desires of the flesh. If you're in the middle of this, you can't do these two things at the same time. You're either walking by the Spirit or you're gratifying the flesh. One of these things is happening. So right, it's a poison that happens right now and that immorality is a distortion of once again Good gift, wrong way, right? Good gift, not right person, not right setting. And so when he says sexual immorality, it's so unique that the word that we get pornography from comes from the Greek word that means sexual immorality. It means like the horrible, sinful things. That's where the culture has even developed that word from that we have. And if you look at those verses where it talks about the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit, obviously there's a lot of stuff we can unpack on all of those, but... Here's what I want you to notice about some of these. The flesh pursues sins, here's a few of them, of sexual morality, impurity, and sensuality, right? So the flesh, those are the, some of the three of the things that it mentions there that you do. Sexual immorality, anything porneia, right? Anything that's, that is a distortion of a good gift of God. Impurity, something that's not the way God intended it. And also sensuality, things that are engaging the senses and not holy, and it says, while the Spirit provides fruit of patience, faithfulness, and what? Self-control. You see the difference here, right? And the reason why there's obviously a lot of fruit of the Spirit we could pull from, but why I think that patience is such an important attribute, especially as it relates to sexual sins, is that um, especially for young men and women who are seeing things, doing things, uh, opening the gift, peeking at the gift, messing with the gift before the time it's time to open up the gift, how it distorts everything. And how it, it doesn't take away everything, but the, the gift of patience is this. I mean, and I, I, I have. I had, um, you know, so many times nowadays uh, I am having this conversation more and more often with people who say to me, hey, we'd love for you to do our wedding ceremony. And I ask, are you sexually active with one another? And they say, yes. And I said, I will not do your ceremony. And they look at me like, are you crazy? We're just with each other. We're not doing with other people. It's just each other. And we're going to get married anyway. So what's the big deal? I would do you a disservice to start your family off on the foot that it's okay to disobey God's commandments when it's inconvenient. I'm not going to do it. What do you want us to do? How, what am I going to tell my parents? I, it's not my fault. It's not my issue, right? What am I supposed to do? Here, here's what I'll do. I'll do your ceremony. If you'll move out, if you promise me there's no activity like that until the time, if you repent, if you say you can see that it's a sin and you're going to stop, from this point on, like, I, if you can come to me and say, I get it. There have been some people, and I said, I don't want you to tell me right now. I want the two of y'all to go back, and I want you to talk about it. There's sometimes I've never had a second appointment. Can you imagine that? Um, never saw them again at the church. Supposedly they went somewhere else. Um, there have been some that say, uh, we see it. 
No one's ever showed us this from the Word before. No one ever showed us 1 Corinthians chapter 7. No one ever showed us these kind of things that we, we need to get into, and we repent. And so I'm moving out. I'm going to move in with my friend, or I'm going to move out back to my mom's, or we're not going to do this, and you're going to hold us accountable. And you know what happens on the day of that wedding, and later on they come and they say thank you. Even if it was three months stopping what we had been doing, thank you, because it was worth it, right? And so with this, it's this patience that has to be there. And the patience, I think, the fruit of the Spirit is the desire that you have might be a good desire, but your impatience can cause you to take it in wrong ways. Even when people are married, right? The impatience of, I need my needs met. The impatience can lead to that faithfulness, to be faithful to God, to be faithful to your spouse, to be faithful to your family. And then self-control, which is the complete opposite of what everything that pornography and lust is trying to cause you to do, to have no self-control, to be addicted to it to some level. So when you think through all the fruit of the Spirit and how they war against each other, we realize what verse 24 says. He says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That sounds really serious, right? He's going, I am crucifying myself that I don't have to listen to these desires anymore. Belonging to Jesus includes crucifying our flesh with its passions and desires. That we are saying, I don't have to listen to everything that I want to do. Paul says it this way at the end of Romans chapter 7. The good thing I want to do, I can't do. And the stuff I hate, I keep finding myself doing it again and again and again. So what do you do? You crucify yourself. You're putting to death certain things that are not becoming to God or how you are supposed to live uh, according to him. And so it's showing that just like, Tigner, you said, walking in the Spirit, you can't walk in the Spirit and be gratifying the desires of the flesh. These are in opposition to one another. They, They can't coexist with it. And so something has to give. And so fight plan, Here, here's just a few things that I would encourage um, to think through about how we would fight against some of these sinful temptations. First is determine what triggers the usage for anybody. And I'm also saying this for everybody here tonight, that you may have an opportunity in your own life or a conversation with somebody who says, I'm struggling with this. This is what I would ask somebody, and I've done in counseling situations. Tell me what triggers the issue. And, and what I mean by that is, um, are you partaking when you're stressed out? Are you partaking when you're home alone? Is it a certain time at night? Is it when you haven't been in the quiet? Like, figure out, like, when you've messed up, what is it, right? Determine when that is, and that'll at least allow you to start seeing certain aspects of what you need to change. Like, what is it? What triggers the usage? And to say, okay, at least evaluate what that is in your life. Second, decide how and when you will engage in media and avoid mindless browsing or whatever you call it, channel surfing or whatever it would be called, right? Um, uh, I, I didn't look this stat up, and, and that stat always changes, but how much um, uh, people are on their devices, whether it's their phone or whether it's uh, TV or whatever it is, it can be a little bit too much. Um, our, our kids know this, that um, the <laughs> when you go to the doctor now, the, the doctors have a list of questions they ask every child. You know, how much are you spending out time? You know, do you read books? How much time do you spend in front of a screen, right? And and sometimes my kids answer questions, and the nurses and the doctors like, they're lying. Dad, was it? I'm like, no, that's accurate. Like, we're not going to put them in front of a screen all the time. I don't need to be in front of a screen all the time. Um, we kind of have a rule that phones aren't out at the dinner table. We're not watching TV at every room in the house. I will never forget we had... Um, we had our house for sale uh, in Greenwood, and there was, um, I was selling it by owner because I'm a cheapskate, and I was trying to get everything I possibly could. And, and so, like, uh, this family came in, and they were looking at the house, and they had these two young girls with them, 
and uh, walked into our living room, and we had one of these little cabinets, and the TV was on it, closed in behind the cabinets. And I'll never forget this girl. She, had, she was real country talking, but she was real loud. She goes, what your TV? And I said, what did you say? And, her, and, and finally her mom says, you know, she's asking where your TV is. I was like, oh, it's behind this, right? And then she'd go in every room of the house. Where's your TV? And she's like, honey, maybe not everybody's got a TV in every room in the house like we do, okay? Maybe they sit down and they talk. Maybe they play games like normal people. We don't have that. And just like every room in the house, she kept saying, where's your TV? Where's your TV? Where's your TV? We have one TV in the house. And it's an open room where everybody can be at. Does that mean that it can't lead to sin? No, but it just means it's a little more difficult. Um, I think it is absolutely unbelievable how young some people are getting devices that they can explore anything in the world on. And um, I, I know... I know a that uh, on the Stanford, I guess it is, yeah. a while back, and it is a, I think they said the average age was about 11 or 12 or something. Yeah. And, and, and that's average. Which right. Some getting on... Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people will say like, well, goodness, that, that's showing that you don't trust your child or whatnot. It's going, no, it's kind of like uh, I've heard a lot before that even if you trust the person, you may not trust the environment. You know, I trust the person. I just don't trust the environment. I, OK, so one of these overcomers have found redemption and they've really worked hard and they've been sober for two years. Do you go stick them in front of a bar? No, you don't trust the environment. You're, you're concerned that if you get in the environment, there's going to be this danger. And if you literally have devices that people are seeking you to get stuff out of, like even me as a pastor and a man say, okay, well, I, I should be beyond all this. No, there's still accountability things that I have in my life. So with a, with a young child who's unable to do this, um, there are studies in which that actually young kids are having to go to the doctor because everything medically is not what it should be because of overstimulation for years. There are some kids that are actually having to get on medication to be able to continue to do what they want to do at an early age because of overstimulation has just completely made it to where they can't. It, the, the rise in what's happening in, in medical situations is unbelievable of how, how much this is there, right? And so the reason why I say you've got to decide how and when you'll engage in media is that... Um, one of the books I read recently said you need to determine during the week what shows or what games you're going to watch. And don't just assume every night I'm plopping down and I'm pulling on the phone or turn on the TV. Because you know what? Um, I don't know if y'all have ever done this. If you've ever looked through all the channels on your TV and realized how many of them you've never gone to, like there might be three channels that we go to if we have the TV on. And there's all this other stuff. I don't even know what they stand for. I have no clue. I never even go to it, right? But when you're just next, 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 there's a whole lot of problems you can get into versus I'm going to watch this game. This is our show that we watch on Tuesday night, whatever it is, right? Or um, there are things that I have uh, got on my computer as well that allow me only to be able to, like, say, engage in social media at certain points in the day. Why? Because you know how I many people can just waste just scrolling through, like, oh, what did you eat last night? Like, it's just a waste of time, right? Just versus saying, these are the times that I'm allotting myself to look at it or, or to, to engage or to connect with people in that type of way. But other than that, you get off of it. Stay away because of how many hours uh, iPhones came up with a deal. Just think about this. The iPhone's only like 10 years old. And think about how much has changed. Um, my, my kids will know that we're not supposed to point at people in public, but sometimes dad points people out. We'll be sitting at a table in a restaurant and go, look over at that table. And sometimes you'll see four or five different people all sitting around a table and they're on their device, all staring at it, not, not, not talking to each other. They're just all there. And, and how, what is that doing? What, what has done to us in the last 10 years of that? And so you've got to kind of decide 
how and when that you're going to engage in media and avoid mindless browsing. Uh, number three, uh, establish the boundaries for tech usage and uh, content. Did I already say it? Okay, no, that's different. Uh, establish the boundaries for tech usage and ca- content. And what I mean by that is you decide what is appropriate for you to view, watch, engage in, and what is not. Uh, there's all types of filtering stuff that you can do on your internet, on your TV, block certain things, get rid of certain you know packages, whatever. You can do that. You have to establish the boundaries. Now, I'll also say this. Sometimes I have seen PG movies that I do not think are PG, okay? <laughs> Just don't think they are. And you have to be so very careful. Uh, I encourage people a lot of times. Um, uh, we have the only, the only like subscription service we have right now is Disney+. Plus. Uh, and that's mainly because of Star Wars stuff. But we, were, we have Disney+, Plus, um, and everybody kept talking about how good the movie Safety was, and it looked like a great wholesome movie. I'm not going to watch it with my family until either I've watched it or we've at least looked at PluggedIn.com, which is a, a ministry of focus on the family. PluggedIn.com, someone reviews every major show and movie that's out there and tells you what the content level is like. Now, I can't imagine what that job must be like for some people. I'd be ready just to end it all. But they'll tell you, there is some sexual content. There is some violent content. There is some drug usage. Here's your concern, parents. It's your light, medium, heavy, whatever. It's a great website to look at. But you need to establish what the boundaries are. Next, uh, accept technological inconvenience if it promotes holiness. And so what that means is, is that even if you have to do things that are inconvenient for you, placement of certain devices, password protected, things shutting off at different points at night, avoid the inconvenience if it promotes holiness. Um, did you know that probably on your wireless router at your house, you can turn the internet on and off during the day? You can just go off at 9 o'clock at night. Done. And you go, well, I can't get on it. You're right. You cannot get on anything till 8 o'clock. Your wireless router most likely can do that. Uh, there are, uh, on our computer uh, at home that we use in our homeschool room, there is a family computer that's kind of sitting there in the playroom, and we have on there time when the internet turns off and when it turns on and it's not on during the weekend because nobody needs to be on it during the weekend it's during school hours it comes on and i get a email every day about what has been used on that computer in fact the other day i noticed how much because kids are going to kill me on this but we we've been doing science projects the last few days because it's been rainy and they got some science fair coming up so we spent a lot of time working on science projects i looked and, and it saw that the the writing app on our computer pages was uh it emailed me the next day and says you spent six hours and 11 minutes typing on that computer on that day and between the two boys projects that's what we did six hours and 11 minutes five minutes were on websites one minute was on the printer stuff it just gives that email stuff every day said this is what was used on that computer right and so you can kind of see what the inconvenience and is that inconvenient yeah if i need to go in there and use it or whatever it's inconvenient and it also can be good for you it's a once again, I think I used this example in one of the services, but the best advice um, someone gave me before um, because of, uh, I don't know if y'all remember, but there used to be this stat that used to went around all the time about the Promise Keeper rally uh, that, that happened around. And um, some of y'all may have gone to the Promise Keeper rally back in the day and how incredible it was as a movement for men to get back to the things that God called them to do. But then there's all these stats about that at the hotels around those events, how the, um, the, the channels of what were pornographic material, how it went up in the hotel. It was the weeks of all the Promise Keeper rallies. They could track it. And at all these events where people are saying, we're making a stance for it, how it went up and the hotels could right view it. And so it became this big deal about it. And so one of the mentors in my life talked about how um, best thing to do when you go into a hotel is just unplug the TV or move it from the deal so that 
if you're lying in bed, it's if you have to go plug it in, it's a lot harder to do it because we have grown accustomed to the remote control. And those simple type of things can do, and they're inconvenient, but it might help you out in the long run. Uh, number five, evaluate the environments where you're most susceptible to temptation and avoid them or alter them. Figure out when and where, what are the situations where you find yourself more susceptible to temptation and avoid them at all costs, alter them where you can. Uh, just like I was mentioned, unplug this, uh, take away that, put yourself in a situation where it's more difficult. Does that change your heart? Nope, but it sure does reduce your access to certain things. Number six, commit to an accountability partner and agree upon how to evaluate. So at different points in my life, uh, I have, uh, right now, I have an accountability partner. We call and we talk, um, try to at least once a week on Wednesday mornings, kind of a standing appointment where he has open access to ask any question that he needs to in my life. I have that open access to him. Uh, at different times in our life, we are uh, even had different places where we've had our, our email activity or our, um, our internet activity emailed to one another. So anything that's flagged, he sees. In fact, um, so much so that there was a hilarious thing that um, years ago um, when um, after the birth of one of our children, Amanda had looked on my phone for something in the middle of the night just to trying to make sure that she was feeding and taking care of the kids right. And that got flagged and sent to my accountability partner. And he asked me why in the two in the morning was I looking at a site with these key words on it. And I'm like, actually, that was my wife. He's like, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> like actually it was, right? But it would just having those environments. Okay, what's the environment that you'd say, but the accountability partner, who is it that you have open access to your life to ask those questions? Um, number seven, memorize fighter verses pertaining to lust. Here's the top 10 that I would encourage people to memorize. Obviously, Matthew 5, 28 is what Jesus said. Ephesians 5, 3, no hint of sexual immorality. 1 John 2, 16, don't gratify uh, flesh. Galatians 5, 15, the one we've been talking about tonight. 2 Timothy 2, 22, don't flee from youthful lust. Colossians 3, 5, the, um, are about the evidence of the flesh. 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee from sexual immorality. Proverbs 6.25, watch out for that adulterous woman. Job 31.1, I made a covenant with my eyes. And James 1.14 and 15, know that lust gives to sin and sin gives to death. Be very, very careful kind of deal, right? Those are 10 great spots to start memorizing so that it doesn't keep you from sin, but at least puts up the sword in your hand if you got to fight. Uh, number eight, employ apps that block or report pornographic material. Here are some of the ones I think are the best. Um, I think this is how you say this first one is Custodio. Uh, is a great app. It's the one that I was talking about that emails activity to me uh, every day to talk about the material that's on our on our um, our devices. Covenant Eyes is the site that I told you about that gave all these uh, stats. Covenant Eyes is a great uh, thing that can filter and block and report from your TV to your phone to your iPad to your computer. Can do all this kind of stuff, and it is a subscription based kind of deal. And you go, do I have to pay money for it? you'll pay less than what you pay for content and it might keep you safe. So we, we pay for what's important to us, but they've got a lot of different eyes, uh, opportunities. There's other websites called Ever Accountable, Accountable to You. These are once again, some of these are accountability stuff so that you tell someone, um, and I have people who their activity is emailed to me weekly or it's flagged if something inappropriate has been done. And so what it does is it gives a list of possible sites of which might be an issue. Uh, and so I'll get an email and it's kind of awkward when I say, all right, so on Tuesday at this time, you were looking at this, can you explain this to me? Um, sometimes I've, we've even put in um, 
uh, penalties <laughs> for breaking certain things. Uh, I've had friends who have um, said that they were going to donate to charities that they could not stand if they looked at another thing again, and they have had to write a check and send it to them. And when you start putting money involved in it, it changes your mentality. It, it's serious times has come up with what you need to do. Um, the next few sites there, Net Nanny is not a Christian site, but is a very good filtering and blocking site. Once again, something you pay for, but it can do a whole lot. Uh, Lion is another one. Open DNS is actually something that you can do on your internet. Certain routers can actually tap into it. And Casper Sky Safe Kids, there's a bunch of stuff out there. You can either look for parental controls or accountability software, a lot of stuff. It doesn't change the heart, but it sure does limit your exposure. Number nine, pursue God's methods to meet your desires. If there are desires there, just meet them in God's ways. Pursue what God says and make that a priority. Even if that's not there in the most healthiest of ways, it's never permission to take uh, matters into your own hands and sin, but it is to pursue things God's way. And then number 10, I would just say this, evaluate your methods quarterly. Um, uh, what works on one day doesn't mean it's going to work another day. Your, uh, your computer can update by itself, and all of a sudden the stuff you've been using doesn't work anymore. And you just have to look at it from time to time. There are times where we thought, hey, we've got good stuff in place, then all of a sudden something happens, and you realize you don't have stuff in place. you just got to evaluate it from time to time and make sure you're there. Here's what I would encourage for all of us, um, whether it's you, kids, grandkids, friends, whatnot, um, what I think that Satan does a really good job of sometimes is telling us that we're the only person who struggles with a certain sin and going, that's just ridiculous. Everybody struggles with it in different ways. But to be able to go and be open and honest and to be able to say, okay, I need some help here is such a powerful way to start. And so um, I want to pray for us. And then as we think through how to apply some of this into our own lives. And so, Father, I, I do thank you for the opportunity we have tonight. If you could open up your word to discuss an issue like this. And Lord, so I thank you for those that are um, a, a part of this study as we're going through and applying and for the services that we've been a part of today. To those that will be listening to this online, Lord, I pray that we would not just be hearers of your word, but we would apply them. We would do them. We would find a ways to apply it and make changes in our life so that just as we mentioned that it's poison now that has to be addressed. It influences everything about us and it's got devastating consequences now but also can lead into so many other things that can just be devastating not only our own lives, but others as well. And so, God, I just do pray that you protect us. You would allow us to be alerted to things, and we would find ourselves inconvenient if that's what it takes so that we can be safe and holy. And it's in your Son's name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.